Connected. You've got a podcast. 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 Welcome to the Mystic Access Podcast, where the magic is in learning. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the Mystic Access Podcast. I'm Chris. I'm Kim, and I'm Lisa. We have a few preemptory things to share with you, and then we have a couple of interesting discussions, including one that's going to be in the castle. So you may know that in addition to our iOS group of modules that is now beginning, which you can still register for if you go on the website, and we will link in the show notes for upcoming mods. We also have a free class coming up later this month, as we do almost every month, every month except December. And we're doing something a little different for May this time. This came about because I would see questions on Twitter or on email that say things like, how do I use Firefox? Or how do I use Windows 10? And several hours or a day later, I would see things on Twitter like, people hate me. Nobody answered my questions. And the problem in many cases, is that the questions are way too vague. And if you want to ask questions that get answered, there are some steps that you can take that will make your questions more effective. And they're pretty easy steps. It's not like you need technical know-how. You just need to be able to kind of think in basic terms. And getting these questions answered is something that you will be able to do much more easily. And when I say answered, I both mean by other people and via computer searches. So this is a bit of an unusual topic, but it really can help in a lot of different areas. You know, it could even help in your relationships if you learn to ask effective questions. So there's kind of a very broad sort of application for this. And we hope that you will either join us or if you're not able to make it, that you will take advantage of free downloads when it is available. Absolutely. So whether you are interested in technology questions or something a little broader in terms of your interest, we hope there will be something here for you. And we'll, of course, provide some stats and some example questions and answers and things like that to help you get started more easily on this topic. So we're really looking forward to sharing this with you. The date of this month's class is May 30th, which is the last Thursday of the month. For whatever strange reason, we've just decided to hold our classes on the last Thursday of the month, and that's been working out quite well. The next thing that we wanted to talk about is some kind of shark infestation or something like that. So we're not talking about Jaws, nor the movie, nor the screen reader. We're talking about vacuums. So the three of us recently purchased... In a weird twist of fate. (laughs) 
<laughs> yes, in a weird twist of fate, my two colleagues decided that they wanted to get robot vacuums because probably that I've been talking about them for quite some time and how cool they really are. And the Shark brand is one that I've had familiarity with for years and years and how good it was. And that's probably the only way they managed to completely twist my arm off and taught me into getting a robotic anything because this is not my thing. <laughs> so, but I said, oh, it's Shark, you know, I will, I will get it and I will try it. We'll see what happens. So we all have now the same model of the same Shark vacuum. And we kind of want to share a little bit about our experiences. I had an iRobot in years past. And it was, I mean, it was before any kind of connectivity. And so if I ran it, I would then have to walk around with my cane, swinging it in these wide arcs to find the thing so I could put it back on its base. But when I moved into this apartment, it's a studio. So it's basically one large room and a bathroom. I thought, you know, this might really adequately meet my needs. And I might not need a big vacuum. I did get a, a Swiffer, you know, like a mop kind of thing. But the floors are linoleum. The other thing is, I'm concerned when I vacuum that I might miss spots here and there. And I really like the idea of this covering everything. So I went to our vacuum expert, who is Chris, <laughs> Chris has we this don't want to know fascination. He well, yes. he found, okay, he he's not alone, though, because he found a channel on YouTube called Vacuum Wars. Yes, he did. <laughs> where they compare different kinds of vacuums. And I didn't know whether to laugh or cry. I'm like, wow, there are a lot of people who are really into vacuums. Okay. We will attempt to link to that channel for you in the show notes in case you are yeah. one of them. <laughs> so we all have this now, and it, it's an interesting uh, experience. It is an interesting experience, particularly since you can use it by pressing one of the buttons. There are three buttons on it, and they're nice physical round buttons that you can find and press. There's also ways to link it to your A-L-E-X-A or your Google, and you can use it through Assistant or through A-Lady in addition to using it manually yourself. I think my favorite part still is that the models that we got, and we will put a link in the show notes for you, come with a little hand vac. And I'm digging that little hand vac. It is awesome. Oh, it is. It's great. I have lovely wide window sills. And when the window is open at all, the pollen just comes, comes in, in, in. It's, it's crazy. And instead of having to dust, I can just move the things off the windowsill and use this. And it just does a beautiful job of sucking everything up. I could see it would be also really good for messes and spills and such. But yeah, it sits flat on the floor. So you have the dock for the, the big round robotic thing. And then the hand vac sits on top of that and charges. On the top of the robot, just so that you are aware if anybody gets the robot, if the robot is facing the dock as if it were parked, there are three buttons. The one on the left is the dock button. So if you don't want to give your Echo a command or your Google Home a command to tell it to go to the dock, or if you don't want to open the app, find your phone, and send it to the dock, there's a dock button. The next one over is a bigger button, and that's the clean button. That starts the whole cycle. And then the one to the right is your spot button. That will do 
a spot cleaning, which like say you spill cereal and you want to not run the entire vacuum, you just want to clean up that spot. You can do that with the spot button. So you not only have control with your apps or your voice, but you also have control of it with the buttons themselves. And for those of you who have never seen one of these little critters, don't think this is like the size of your upright or even of your Mm -mm. little handbag. It's not. It's a little round critter. It's about a foot around or a foot in diameter. It's and about as big as maybe a pizza pan. Yeah. You think? Like a yeah, pizza pan? It's probably about pizza sized. Mm-hmm. Maybe a little tiny bit less, but real close to pizza sized. And it allows you to move under beds and under furniture, you know, depending on obviously the height of your furniture to get to messes. And it's got brushes on the sides that you attach upon receiving it it's got a brush on the bottom you can take that brush out and you can clean in there it's a small round thing (laughs) that comes off the dock and it attaches to the dock by magnets so it does not look anything like your quote-unquote average vacuum either a little upright or your little handbag it doesn't look like anything that you've seen before in terms of vacuums (laughs) Before I got any kind of robotic vacuum, I was kind of picturing Rosie from the Jetsons, which will date me. It does have some other really kind of cool accessories that come with it. You get two brushes with the little hand vac. I haven't really used them much. I just kind of use the nozzle of it and kind of, you know. That's pretty much what I've done too. Although I do like them. I'm kind of interested in using that little crevice brush for my corners and like the yeah things like that and like if I had I don't always feel like I'm holding it at the right angle to make it work that's true but Mm -hmm. and I don't have a lot of upholstery in here at the moment but if I did I would probably use the brush on that you also get a roll of this magnetic strippy stuff and you can cut that and put it in front of doors or around pet bowls and things like that and it will kind of know to keep away from that I got mine on Amazon, and when I did, I was able to get the manual and user guide from the webpage. Now, this is not like me, simply because I've had so much going on, but I haven't had a chance to read it yet. That would probably be really helpful, but uh, when I do, you know, I'll be able to know a little more about how good it is, although with only three buttons, it will probably be okay. I've, of course, seen manuals where they have the little graphics. So it will say, press the button, you know, where there's this pause. But I'm not sure how much of this manual is like that. But I'm really enjoying it, at least for the most part. I do have to prepare a little bit for it to vacuum. I usually set it to vacuum when I'm leaving my house. So I have a skirt kind of on my bed. So I need to tuck that up and out of the way because it's low enough that the shark will just kind of catch on the skirt. I have a mat in the bathroom and one in front of my kitchen sink. And I do pick those up because I find, at least based on the kind that they are, that the shark pushes them around. I found my I left them down the one day and I found my kitchen sink mat like halfway across the room. I left it down thinking, oh, it'll give it a good cleaning. But now I just use the hand back for the mats. Yesterday, I decided to run the shark while I was in the house. 
I needed to do that because I was getting some company and I just wanted it done. And I was curious. I wanted to see how long it would take. And that was an experience I may not do again. It felt like the thing was possessed. So I would be maybe in the lower left-hand corner of my room and the shark would be in the diagonal corner. And all of a sudden, it seemed like it would just say, I want to be where she is. And so it would come and it would be bumping against my feet. And I'm like, okay, fine. So I'd go somewhere else in the room. And it's like, no, I want to be where you are. And it kept following me. And then when my company came, I was demonstrating with the echo or trying to demonstrate how the shark skill worked. And it sometimes is a little bit on and off. Sometimes it works better than others. And I finally got it to start cleaning and then it wouldn't dock. And so I'm chasing the shark. And before when it was like, I love you, I want to be with you. Then it was like, either I hate you or can't catch me. And so I'm chasing it down. But it really has been interesting. And I personally love the whole idea of I can be gone. I can be not in my house even and work is getting done. That's a pretty cool thing. Yeah, it's like having the little shark fairy doing all your jobs for you, which is kind of a fun little thing. The other thing to mention for those of you who are possibly wondering about this is this is bagless. So it just has a bin on the unit and you'll open that up and you'll clean that out. And it's amazing how much stuff accumulates in this oh, bin. Yeah. So that's kind of a fun thing. And it has a filter that you can wash. So it's a nice washable filter. So there's no replacement parts. Now you might want to replace your brushes, you know, I don't know, once a year, once every couple of years, but you can do that very cheaply through Amazon or through wherever you tend to buy your supplies and things. There are kits. Yeah, they have kits and you want to make sure that you get the proper kit for your device. Now I actually have, I'm going to out myself. I actually have two shark robot vacuums. One is the older model and one is the one that the three of us now have. And I did this because I wanted to compare the old versus the new. And the side brushes on the old one are different than the side brushes that are on the new one. So you want to make sure that you get the proper side brush for your devices. One thing I did want to mention, I want to do a little comparison between the Roomba and the shark. There's one thing that I personally really, really like about the shark. When you ask it for status of your robot, like let's say that your robot gets stuck. So you ask your Google Home or your Amazon Echo the status for that device. It will actually verbally announce the status. It will say your robot is at its dock and is charging or your robot is cleaning, your robot is heading to the dock, or it will even give you an issue like one of your wheels has lost contact with the ground. So it tells me that the Roomba skill, for example, will say, there's an error. Go check the app. I don't want to check the app. I want to know what the error is so that I can go find my shark and deal with that. That's another thing, too. You can tell either one of these devices, you know, shark or Roomba, 
to ask it where it is and they will beep so that you can find them. So they're not completely lost unless of course the battery is dead. The Roomba app seems to be a little more accessible than the Shark app. The Shark app is doable. There's a couple of unlabeled buttons that you won't know what they are until you press them. Connecting it to Wi-Fi was, in my opinion, a little weird, but I did it about a year and a half ago where the other two just did it very recently, so they can comment on that. But for me, connecting to Wi-Fi was a little odd. Chris is going to also show you a little demo of some of the sounds that the shark makes and show you some of the things that you can do because it also has little songs, little little musical tunes that it plays depending on its status. So we're going to insert that for you so you can get a better idea as to what this thing sounds like and how it works. And, and he'll turn on the handbag for you too so you can get an idea of the sound of that and the selection that it provides. So we hope you enjoy this. Hi everybody, I'm here to talk a little bit about the Shark Ion 850. This is the one that we are talking about in the podcast, and it's the one that has the hand vac. Let's first start with the hand vac. So the hand vac actually rests on top of the charging dock. So the charging dock is this little thing that sits up against the wall. It has two metal plates on it. And the vacuum's underside has two metal plates. And those plates will actually join and they will charge the vacuum. And the hand vac does the same thing. It's got little plates on it. When you put it in the dock or stand it up on the dock a certain way, it will charge. So it looks like a long, just a long rod, if you will. And it's probably about the size or length of my from my fingertip to my elbow and on it we have two buttons the button closest to you if you're holding it is the on off button and the button next to that or moving a little bit away from you is a button that kind of slides you push it up towards the front of the vacuum and the little bucket with all your dirt <laughs> opens up and throws your dirt on the floor or what have you. You know, if you have this hanging over the garbage can, of course, it's going to just dump it into the garbage. So be careful when you press that button. So I'm going to turn this on for a second and we can see what it sounds like. And I'm vacuuming up the floor a little bit. And I just press the button to turn it off. Now, in order to put the vacuum onto the this dock, you put the front of the vacuum where the dirt gets sucked in straight down into the dock, and it kind of rests along the pole or the protrusion that's sticking up, and it just fits in there ever so nicely, and it it charges. Now the vacuum itself is round and it has a bumper on the front. So the front of it, when it drives around, there is a bumper that you can press 
and that's going to bump up against your furniture ever so gently and it is going to tell the vacuum okay you bumped up against the furniture now move somewhere else the vacuum itself has cliff detection sensors and just basically traveling around sensors on the top and again this is with the bumper facing away from me we have those three buttons so from left to right we have the dock button the clean button which is concave and then we have the spot button the dock and the spot buttons are kind of teardrop shape if you will and the clean button is a round concave button when you connect it to Wi-Fi you are told to press and hold the dock and spot buttons in order to put it into Wi-Fi setup mode we won't be covering that on the right side you have a switch the switch needs to be in the up position or it will not work if you have to store your vacuum for a significant amount of time you can just flip it off and it's off and if you flip it on it makes a little sound to let you know that it's on so if it has battery power and all that good stuff then it will make a sound for you on the back of the robot you have a button that you press and this will disengage the dustbin so I've just done that and the dustbin there are on the top little finger crevices that you pull and it opens and this way you can remove your filter clean your filter empty your dustbin of your robot into the garbage can and then you can close this up and you can put it back into your robot on the front of the dustbin if you will there is a another place where you can put two fingers and pull that will remove one of your filters so I've just done that I've slid it out and I can slide the filter back in the front of the dustbin has what I call teeth it looks like just a mouth or a comb or something like that now what can you do with your robot with Google Home I'm gonna use Google Home because I have two robots one's called anchor and one's called Bruce and Google Home's voice recognition for whatever reason is better in this situation than the Amazon Echo the Amazon Echo wants me to rename my devices and I don't particularly want to hey ask shark for status for Bruce sure he is shock. Your robot is at its dock and has 95% battery. Hey, ask shark for battery status for Bruce. Okay, let's get shark. Your robot's battery is at 95%. So if you noticed, I can ask for battery status or I can ask for status. Now let's see what happens if I try to start my shark up. And I'm going to use my voice again. But what I have not told you is that I have not put the bin back in. Hey, ask Shark to start Bruce. Okay, getting Shark. 
Your robot has begun cleaning. It has not. So if you noticed, it did a happy little chime, and then it did a sad little chime. Hey, ask Shark for status for Bruce. Okay, let's get Shark. Error. The dust cup is missing. So instead of going to the app, finding the notification, dealing with the dust bin, it's not going to happen, but what if it's rolling down the thing and it stops for whatever reason and the dustbin falls out? I know there's an error now. So I can put the dustbin back in. Hey, ask Shark to start Bruce. All right, getting Shark. Error, the dust cup is missing so it can't start cleaning. So it can't start cleaning. I did put it in, so I may have to manually start. I do. Which is not the end of the world. Hey, ask Shark for status for Bruce. All right, getting Shark. Your robot is cleaning with 75% battery. Now I'm going to lift up the robot. As you can hear, it, it's chiming. So it's the help me, I'm stranded chime. Because it is, because it's in the air. Hey, ask Shark for status for Bruce. Okay, here's Shark. Error, one of the wheels lost contact with the ground. And it absolutely did because I'm holding it. So I'm going to put it back on the ground. And I'm going to say, Hey, ask Shark to start cleaning for Bruce. Okay, here's Shark. What is the name of the robot that you'd like to start? Bruce. Error. One of the wheels lost contact with the ground so it can't start cleaning. Okay. Would you like me to help you find your robot? Yes. Listen for your robots to chime five times. And that is exactly what it's doing. I have found it, and I am going to touch it. Now I just press the clean button again to stop it from cleaning, but I cleared the error state. Hey, tell Shark to send Bruce to the dock. Okay, here's Shark. Your robot is headed for the dock. And that's what happens when he reaches his dock. And I was literally like three feet from the dock. So it didn't take that long to make this happen. A couple of things of note. When the vacuum is rolling around doing its cleaning, you will hear a sound when it decides to start to go back to the dock. It's another little happy bleep and blurp. And then the motor on the robot will turn itself down so you can actually tell that it's not vacuuming and it's trying to locate its dock. You can always ask at any time your voice assistant what your robot is doing and it will tell you. So it's going to say your robot is cleaning with 
X amount of battery life left. It's going to say your robot is heading for the dock. So it, it keeps you up to date on what your robot does. As I said earlier in the podcast that the app isn't really the most accessible. It is definitely doable. You can schedule from the app. By default, each day is set to 12 a.m. So you can't actually clean at 12 a.m. If the time is something other than 12 a.m., then the robot will start. So for example, I have my robot cleaning at 9 a.m. on Saturday mornings and I think 2 p.m. on Sunday afternoons. And I can do that. I don't have to have it clean every day or Monday, Wednesday, and Friday or any of that kind of stuff. I don't even have to make it clean the same time on each day. So that's just another thing to note. And again, if you don't want to deal with apps or voice assistants or any of that stuff, you have your three buttons that you can deal with. And let me do this really, really quickly before I go. I'm going to move the robot off of the dock again. And I'm going to press the dock button. And there we have it. He is at the dock. Thanks so much for listening to my presentation on the Shark Ion 850. Thank you very much. Have a good day. If you're listening and you think, I don't want to connect it to my Echo or my Google Home or my phone. I just want something that will work. You can do that too. Because especially at the beginning, I was so busy unpacking boxes and trying to find my socks and stuff that as fascinated as I was to try this out, I hadn't had time to connect it. So it was easy. I would just go over and hit the clean button and it would start. Yeah, so you absolutely don't have to worry about that. Yeah, it really can be as simple or as complex as you want it to be. Speaking of phones or not connecting to them. Lisa Lisa wants to tell us a story. (laughs) I do. I have a horror story with a moral, I hope. As I've mentioned, I have moved. And so I am taking, at this point, Uber or shared ride a lot more based on the way that my schedule is and the times that things run, I have not yet been able to take advantage of public transportation. So I was taking an Uber over to see my friend at the nursing home and it was raining that day. And I got inside the nursing home, went upstairs and for whatever reason had to check something almost immediately on my phone. And my phone was gone as in nowhere at all to be found. I had been carrying it in my pocket because I needed kind of immediate access. I needed to be able to communicate with the Uber driver, see where they were, et cetera. And I didn't technically need that kind of access after my ride had started, but it was just easy to put it in my pocket. Well, the Uber vehicle was quite tall and I am quite not, four foot nine. So getting in and out was a thing. And I had no idea where my phone was. So I took my friend's phone and I'm calling my phone. I called three, four times and I thought, 
this is pointless because someone may find it, but they won't be able to answer it because I have voiceover turned on. So all I can do by calling is alert them to the fact that this phone is here. I was hoping and praying that it had not fallen out outside my apartment because you step down and then get into the vehicle and there is a little bit of a ditch or a gully there. And there was quite a lot of water that was accumulated because it was a rainy day. So I was hoping it wasn't there. Thought it might be in the Uber and that the driver would return it. And then the least likely scenario in my mind was that it had fallen out in the parking lot of the nursing home. But I was kind of stuck and I was very panicked because my whole life is in this thing. And I thought, I'm not even sure how I'm going to get home because I used the Uber app. And there were a couple people that I could maybe call for rides, but I didn't know their numbers because they were in my phone. So I was, like I said, kind of in a full-blown panic. It takes a lot to get me there, but once I'm there, I do it with style. So I went downstairs to see if by chance my phone had been turned in. And as I turned the corner into the hallway leading to the front lobby, I heard the most beautiful music I've ever heard in my life. It was the sound of voiceover. And they were trying to figure out whose phone it was. I'm not quite sure how they didn't immediately get it because I had just come in about five minutes previous. But they're like, we can't unlock it. We think it's broken. And I said, it doesn't sound broken. And it wasn't. It was found in the parking lot. And it must have been found very quickly because, as I said, it was raining. So that is, I think, definitely a compelling reason to put a case on your phone and a screen protector. But this really was an experience I never want to have again. So there are a couple things that I've thought of that I can do and am doing to keep myself safe. And I wanted to share them with you because, you know, it's one of those things you don't really think it's going to happen to you until it does. So one thing I have done from that time to now is I leave screen curtain off on my iPhone. And it used to be that I would just leave it on all the time. I didn't know. I suspected maybe it could give me a little bit of battery savings. If I feel like someone might be looking over my shoulder, I can always temporarily turn it on. But I turn it off. And the reason why will become apparent in just a moment. I also have set up my lock screen wallpaper differently because someone can't unlock my phone and they can't answer a call because they don't know how to answer the call because the gestures are different for voiceover and they can't unlock my phone for security reasons. So what I now have on my lock screen wallpaper is my own picture. So if someone unlocks it, they'll see my picture. And then I have it captioned with my name and my email address. And I used Ira to help get this done. So if I have screen curtain off and I have this as my lock screen wallpaper, someone might not be able to do a thing with my phone, but they at least know who it belongs to. The other thing that I have done is I have decided that Carrying it in my pocket is obviously not working for me. Stupid is doing the same thing twice and expecting different results. And 
as lovely and convenient as it is to put it in my pocket, it's not convenient if it gets lost or destroyed or squished by an oncoming car. So I now carry my phone in a pouch. I actually keep all my most important things together in this pouch. I've got the my house key, you know, mailbox key, all of that. I've got my key ring. I have my ID card, my key card to get into the apartment building itself. I need that to unlock the door. And then my phone. And I have room where I could put a couple other things if I wanted. And this is a leather pouch that I wear around my neck. Ironically, we will be talking about said leather pouch, among other things, in an upcoming segment. But that is my sort of cautionary tale. I think we can all remember situations where bad things have happened. And sometimes they just happen because they happen. But other times we can learn from those situations. So instead of beating ourselves up or just thinking, oh my goodness, that was really unlucky, that was awful, which it was, we can think of actions that we can take to hopefully keep this from happening again. I'm going to assume, too, that they thought the phone was broken because of screen curtain. Yes, I think that's why. And someone said to me, well, why not put your phone number on the lock screen? And I said, well, that kind of doesn't serve any purpose because they could call that phone number and all that will happen is the phone in their hand will ring. Right. So name and email seemed the best way. I didn't want to put address that seemed like too much information. And it's in this day and age, so many people have email that, you know, we could email back and forth. We could set up a, a time and a place to meet if that were necessary. But in a situation like this, all they would have had to have seen was my picture because they know me. I go there every day, you know. And so if they saw my picture, they could have just said, oh, this is Lisa's phone. And now we're going to take you into the Mystic Access Magic Castle, and we're going to talk to Barry regarding his leather products. Welcome to the Mystic Access Magic Castle. So Barry is back with us again today, and we are going to have a little conversation about the many delightful leather products that he offers. And of course, you can always visit his website, guidelightsandgadgets.us, but you're probably better off calling him and talking to him if you find any of this interesting, and we will give you his information at the end of this. But we're going to talk about leather today. What do you have to tell us, Barry? Yay, me! Leather. Leather is a complicated subject because there's such a diversity and variety of what we carry, and I really will not be able to describe everything because we probably have a total of over 100 different leather products. We concentrate on three manufacturers, and they're companies that we have been working with for years who give us high quality and we think really good value. 
One of them is Jam and Leather, which is our favorite motorcycle provider down in Myrtle Beach who sells motorcycle accessories and also the, the toughest leather products, usually out of cowhide that I have ever seen. And they're beautiful and wonderful and people love them and they do all sorts of things. And they do backpacks and they do phone cases and they do crossbody a little bit and they do the, one of the best waste packs I've ever seen among other things. And then there's the what I call ABC International, which some of our podcast listeners may have heard called the Marshall Wallet Company. And you will see their products. They are a huge warehouse in Florida, and they are the folks who provide us with basically our most popular product, which of all time, which has been the IRA pouch, as I call it, or the, the neck pouch that has the, the multiple slots for putting your phone and carrying other things with you. And that is a product that comes out of there, and we buy from them in large wholesale quantities. So I know sometimes people like to look on Amazon to find things and hope that they can do it. But in a situation like this, where you're a distributor and carrying lots of quantities that you have to buy in large amounts wholesale, the pricing probably isn't going to be different in terms of this. It's just sort of letting people know this because I know people like to look. The third line we carry, and it's a very small number of products, but we have had a distributive relationship with the Embassy Luggage Company. Embassy is familiar to many people. They make wonderful products. The one thing that we have carried that I have liked with them because I've used it myself is they make a wonderful laptop computer tablet shoulder bag that has more compartments and is more compact and can carry more weight than anything I've ever seen. And it's, it's a very simple bag with an adjustable strap. And I'll probably get into that before we're finished. And there's one other thing actually that we are doing with theirs, which is they make convertible rolling backpacks and they make multiple sizes of them and you sort of have to figure out what you want. But I have noticed that for a number of our customers and I don't, they're sort of like special orders because they are big and bulky, but they are wonderful. I mean, it's like, it's really neat to be able to go to a meeting and sort of put it on your back and then it gets tired. You just want to roll it and you can use your dog or cane with the other hand. And Again, Embassy makes quality products. So that's sort of our third source for things. And I'm going to now talk leather in categories because that's the easiest way. It will not include everything, but I'm just going to give you a sense and then talk about some of the more popular kind of things that people have come to like. The first category is what I call pouches, wallets, and waste packs. And pouches are little things like the neck pouch that we talked about that people use for IRA, and we have sold hundreds of those. That is a $15 pouch in multiple colors. It works really well with just about any phone you can have, and it gives you the ability to function hands-free. Those also, people have used those as, as treat pouches for guide dogs as well, but that's a whole separate category. So don't just think that if you are an IRA subscriber, this is for you because I do have IRA and I've used it in that capacity, but actually I am within about a week and some moving into a new apartment. And I said to Barry, I need to get another one of these. Uh, I wanted to get a different color and I want to be able to put my phone in it and my bus pass and my key card for my apartment so that I can get in the door and maybe some change so that I have it 
all accessible because not everything I own has pockets. And sometimes you don't want to get into a purse or a backpack, especially if you need to access something quickly. So if you need something right at hand, this is great. And I'm assuming that in your pouches category, you're probably also talking Kim's favorite product or one of Kim's favorite products. Yes, the little squeezies that you offer, and I call them squeezies because you actually squeeze the top. They have a metal, essentially like a little metal magnetic bar across the top, and you squeeze that, and it opens it up, and it's got a key fob inside, and it's leather. So you could put some cash in there, or you could put, you know, whatever you need to put in there. You could put cables in there. Well, you, you could put small cables in there. You couldn't put very big ones, but you could put mm-hmm. little ones in there. I have my little magnetic tips for a couple cables in mine. So there's all kinds of things you can stick in there. They're really cool. And if you have ordered, some of our M180s have come with these squeezies as well. If you've ordered from us, the ones that Barry has offered through us have come with those as well. So you've got I to use see them, them too for sugar pack, like sweetener packets. Because oh, that's a good idea. I mostly use Stevia or Splenda. I can't do the other ones and not everybody has them. So I have one of these with that. And also I'll put like true lemon packets in it because I'm kind of making my own lemonade on the cheap, I guess. But they're great just for any little items that you need to keep organized. Exactly. There are two varieties of those pouches, too. Um, one of them is what I call the hard pouch, which is a harder leather. Everything we sell, by the way, of this kind of this whole product category, we do not sell any pew leather or fake leather. I won't do it. And so everything is real. And one of them is the sort of hard-sided pouch that doesn't open as wide, but I guess I would say it's a little smaller or a little less, a little less squeezable in terms of opening up, but it really feels like a quality leather. The other is a lambskin, which is more flexible and can open up wider. And I actually have been able to carry cables on those things. Actually, I have been able to carry, we sell our favorite cable, the only cable we sell is the cable with three, that has three different adapters on it, one being a lightning, one being an Android C, and one being a micro USB. And while I didn't mean to get into this, it is this, it is a cable that we basically, if somebody has a problem with it after, within a year, I'll replace it because it's so heavy duty and so it's a 10 foot cable and it's so heavy duty that they last and it's like carry one cable for your life that fits in a pouch. And that's a pretty heavy duty one. But these pouches, I use them for headphones, particularly it's the little $5 pouch that can go everywhere with you. And if you are buying something from us, something electronic, for example, we will typically, if it fits, put a pouch around it as opposed to what we, what do we call blister packaging, our favorite type of stuff that not being able to open it. So thank you, Kim, for that. I know you're the queen of the squeezy. I do. And, I am the queen of the squeezy. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's my new yes, term. That's that is, yes, that is your that is your definite new title. So there are those squeezy pouches. Let me do two other things in these categories. Um, we carry one and only one type of wallet. And first of all, fashion stuff is such that if I started carrying all the different kinds of wallets, I'd never have what people somebody would want something different than we we had out. And when you're doing a convention, you just can't carry everything. But what we have settled on is 
a black RFID blocking wallet, which means it blocks somebody from stealing your credit card info when you are carrying it with you. And it is a bifold. It is a very high quality leather. It's a $25 wallet. It has about 10 credit card slots. And it is, it's not one of the cheap RFIDs that you sometimes see with the paper sleeves. These are the leather sleeves with the metal embedded. They work and they last. And that's the one wallet we have decided that we will carry. I have one of these and I like it very much. At first, when I got it, I thought, oh, this looks like a man's billfold. But the more I've used it, the more I like it. And I'll tell you two reasons why. One is that it has a zipper that goes the whole way around the wallet. So if you happen to drop it, your money or your cards or whatever are not going to fall out. The other thing is when it folds, it's small enough so that let's say you're just going out to dinner, you could stick it in one pocket and maybe your phone in the other pocket. And it's not going to be huge and bulky and take up a lot of room. And if you are a guy, or even some women do this, you could certainly put it in the back pocket of a pair of pants or jeans if you want. I think it's a good way to have it ripped off. I wouldn't suggest it, but a lot of people do. Now, just note so that you do know, and of course, when you call Barry, he can give you this information too, but this doesn't have a compartment for change but you don't really need it in that. I kind of like to have a separate change purse, but it's a very kind of streamlined wallet. It's small, but not too small. To me, it, it hit that perfect point of just right. And I really do like the RFID blocking to just go into that a little more. Basically what happens is people can get these scanners and so they don't have to have your credit card. They can be in proximity to you and capture your information. And so the RFID blocking capabilities prevent that from happening. Now, you don't really feel the metal in it. It just feels like a regular wallet, but you can be confident that it is there. And thank you about the zipper because I forgot about it. And it's the one reason, actually, that's the one reason we picked that wallet besides the RFID is I just know that for years I have dropped credit cards and bills out of wallets. And I like the security of knowing that this thing zips up tight and I'm not going to lose anything when I take it out. Yep, it's great. So that's for wallets. All right, the last category and what I will call this first level are waste pouches. And believe me, people call them fanny packs, bum bags, lots of names for them, and they go in many, many different sizes. I'm going to highlight three. And if you call me, I can give more descriptions of these. I just want to give you an idea of the variety. I have searched for years for the largest waste pack available that will hold a note taker. We found one that will carry a 40 cell braille display. It is about 15 inches long. Somebody just ordered one yesterday that actually is holding a braille edge. And I basically have ability to try it out first. It works. I call that the colossal waste pack. That's about a $50 pack because it's very, very big. The straps are adjustable to those of us who are, quote, how we say this, slightly plus sized. Horizontally enhanced. Horizontally enhanced. Thank you. That's <laughs> good. I like, I like that. I feel that way a lot these days. And then there are all different sizes. We have, there is one very popular waste pack that guide dog lovers have really, really sort of fallen with because it holds treats, it holds bags, and it's small enough. It's got discrete compartments and it doesn't take up your whole front. It's almost four inches long. 
the top is sort of I want, I want to say it's, it's sculptured, it's circular. And so we almost call it a treat waste pouch. And then the third one is a very heavy-duty cowhide pouch that I like because it's very, very deep and has hidden compartments and is really the quality kind of thing that is going to last for years. And those are also about $50 because they're smaller than the bigger one, but they are much deeper. And we've got other different sizes, but that's sort of a, you know, I like waste pouches because I like hands-free. Some of the waste pouches actually have a way for you to put a phone in them standing up so they can use your phone hands-free. And you can, I mean, it is at your waist. There is also something, and Chris, uh, you have seen these, and I don't know if you pass these on. There's a fourth thing, which I call a running belt, and I guess we'll talk about that here. And these running belts, they're basically, joggers use them because they allow you to carry an item or two. They expand, open up with a zipper, and they're stretch. They're like stretch belts, so they go around your waist, or you can put them higher enough around your chest. They open up, as you have probably found if you've tried one of them, to a quite large size for how small they are. And they're really big enough to hold a large iPhone or to hold an iPhone or to hold money and credit cards and keys and a couple of things. But that is a, that is like a 15, that is a $15 belt. And those are very, very cool. Have you worn one of those, Chris? Have you walked around with one? Yeah, they are pretty cool. Yeah, they're not something I'd ever seen before. I didn't know, when I first saw them, I didn't know what they were. But they're really good for carrying your phone and keeping it close to it. And, you know, they're they're not leather. They're actually not a mesh material, but they're the kind of material that you don't really worry about the water very much, even if it starts to rain, if you've got your phone in one of those. Right. It's going to keep it pretty well protected. So if you want, one of the, I mean, that's like all the running pouch or whatever, that is a really good $15 buy. And that ends up the first category. Let me move quickly to what I will call the bag category. And I'm not a bag lady, and I won't claim to be. However, I am. um, Oh, yeah, I'll take that. I'll confess to that any second. Blind people like bags. For some reason, I think it is because we want to find where we put stuff. And as a result, when I just moved, when I moved to South Carolina from Boston three years ago, I ended up putting all of our possessions in bags, not in boxes. We had 185 bags filled to move. And that means it's being really a collect hoarding bags. But I try and find a couple of different styles that are workable. One of them I mentioned is an embassy shoulder bag which again, for a tablet, for a computer, it's also a $50 bag. And the first one I've used, it took me three years before I wore it out. So that's one kind of bag we carry. We also carry a lot of different styles of crossbodies from very small sizes to much bigger sizes. Some of them are in soft leathers. Some of them are in, I will say, a much harder material that is sturdier, and you can fit an awful lot more in them. And they range, the crossbodies range in price from about $15 to about $40, depending on the size and the material. And again, there are lots of colors. So if somebody is interested in crossbody, we may have something that'll work. And if it does, call and ask. I also put, again, leash luggage in this, the stuff that goes on the harness, because we have a number of different styles and sizes of that, all in leather. And 
we want stuff to fit on the harness that carries everything. And so I call those bags, but they're very small bags. The last in this category is, and I guess they're, I call bags, they're really purses and backpacks. We carry a number of combination purse backpacks. I fell in love with them because if you want to be hands-free with stuff and you want to basically turn it into a backpack, you can do it. If these, all of these are a double zipper model, what you do is the zippers are attached together. When you unzip them, the things become two shoulder straps. And if you put them back together, it's a purse over your shoulder. If you unzip them, it becomes a backpack. And there are several different sizes of them depending on, and they, they really are anywhere from about 40 to about $70. There is one backpack at the top of the list. And it is a very heavy duty cowhide backpack from our motorcycle people that almost looks like the rucksack that some of us used to probably carry around. It's about 17 inches deep and it holds a lot. And the flaps, they it's meant to withstand the rain. It's not waterproof, but again, this was made for being on the back of a motorcycle. And that is my favorite backpack. It's large. And again, it's not the cheapest thing in the world, but when you get their stuff, it tends to last. I'm I have two other, oh, go ahead. I don't know if it's the rucksack style thing that you're talking about. Mine has the one with the two metal rings and the strap goes through it. Yes, yours is the smaller version. I have one of these backpack purses. Now, not the large one that Barry is talking about, but I have a slightly smaller one. And I am head over heels in love with this thing. I could go door to door and sell these to perfect strangers. It is fantastic. A, it's sturdy. It's, I guess you would describe that as like a pebbled leather. So it has some texture. It's not that smooth, overly soft leather, but it's very sturdy. And I've used other backpack purses before. And I really didn't like them because the straps unzipped to make it into a backpack. But it was really kind of for show because you couldn't adjust the straps. And I don't know, the way they did the zipper or something, it always pulled at the back of my neck. And I always felt like the straps were going to tear because they were thin. But this, if I'm going to walk a distance, I'll use it as a backpack. If I'm just going somewhere quickly and I just need to sling it over my shoulder, I can do that. I don't know. I just love it. And it has, for me, the sweet spot of number of pockets. I joke that some purses give me pocket panic disorder because they have so many pockets. And this has a bunch, but they're separated and they're divided in ways that just kind of makes intuitive sense to me. And it's a very nice looking bag. It's kind of classy, kind of classic. And I'm no expert on this, so this is just a guess. But I would think that this would look and serve equally nicely for a man as well as a woman. It's neither really masculine or mine is like a dark brown, but it goes with everything. We have them in brown and black. You're right, brown and black. Yeah, but it's a very, the design to me is kind of gender neutral, so it's not overly masculine or feminine, but it is very nice to look at and extremely useful. I love mine when it wears out, which I expect won't be for a very long time. I will be knocking very persistently on Barry's door 
to get a replacement. I love it. I'm stockpiling some of these because we love we love them too. And the one she's describing, I think, is a $60 model. And there are some that are a little bit more and some that are a little bit less, depending on size. I mean, we carry three or four different sizes, so I'd have to describe them. But the one Lisa is describing, actually, it's probably her favorite and one of my favorites. I also like the bigger backpack, but that's a backpack. That's not a purse. That's and I like a rucksack it. backpack. But yeah. That's, yeah, that's good, too. And I like it because you could use it if you're doing, if you're casual or you're dressy. It just, it really is just, yeah, I'll shut up now because I could go on for another hour. I know you like that one. Yeah. And there again, if you want to save a little bit of money, there's ways we can in that model with a little bit of smaller. If There's a $50 model of it also that again is a little tinier, but it's usually 50 and 60 and then the big, big backpack that's not a purse, that's just a backpack is a little bit more money because that's very heavy. That's usually around 80, I think, and that's the top of the line product we sell. Quickly, let me talk about one more product in leather. We have over 100 leather products, so if somebody is interested, if you want a purse or you want a backpack of a certain style or size, call me because it's quite possible that we can, we can deal with it. We have a lot of stockpile and various types of leather products, but Beside the neck pouches, the other single most favorite leather product that we have been selling lately is what I have been calling the everything bag. I have it. I and have it. I have you, it. You do. You do. You were the first person to call, scream and say you wanted one. And yes. I'll let you describe it because you probably have more detail than I can give. Oh, well, it's a wonderful thing. It can be used either as a crossbody. You could put it on your arm. You could put it as a shoulder bag. It also comes with a wrist strap. And now it's big. So if you're going to use it with a wrist strap, you know, it's something that happens there. And you, you can, but it is going to be a little bigger if you do that. It's got multiple compartments. It's got well over half a dozen compartments in it. <laughs> it is Creamy, soft, delicious leather. Mine's black. And it just has a lot of really high-quality zipper compartments. Very has bragged on his zippers to us privately and has good reason to do so because they are very, very high-quality. Anything that he carries with a zipper is super high-quality. And it really is the everything bag. I could put my stream and my phone. and I don't think I could put a change of clothes in it for the weekend, but I could do everything else but that. <laughs> In terms of taking my stuff with me, any kind of cables or electronics, anything like that. Even I could probably even get a foldable set of headphones in there. In fact, my Lie With Pro headphones are actually in there as we speak, in their case, sitting in there right now. So there's a ton of stuff that one could fit. You could put your phone in it. There's a snap pocket on one side where you could put your phone if you wanted to, where you could put other things in there. You could obviously put some cash in there. You could put a wallet in there. There are so many things that you could do to just fill this thing up and up and up. And yet it is small and compact. It's about my favorite size of purse. It's probably about mm, 12, 11 or 10 across. I was going to say 12, but it's probably not quite 12, 11 or 10 across and a few inches high. And it's just kind of my perfect size purse. So that actually worked out awesome. So you can use it as a purse or you can do what I tend to do more and just use it as a travel bag and carry half the stuff you own and your kitchen sink in it. The first time... We showed this to somebody. We actually took it to someone as a house gift we were visiting for the weekend. And I gave her it, and she took it, and we saw her about two weeks later at a show. And the first thing she said to me was, catch. <laughs> and what she threw at me was a football. 
except it wasn't a football. It was the everything bag that was so blown up it looked like a football, and it weighed about 10 pounds. And I'm like, what do you have in there? I carry a note taker in there. It has a wonderful compartment for a 20-cell Braille display. An Orbit fits in there beautifully in one of the compartments. Matter of fact, I had at times carried an Orbit in one compartment and a Polaris in another compartment when I wanted to have both of them with me, plus the stream, plus the headphones, plus the wallet, the keys, and the money. They are $35, including shipping. And the way we do shipping, just so as a, as a quick sort of note in the middle of this, I try and keep shipping at a flat amount, depending on the size of what people are buying. Usually our shipping is somewhere around between 5 and $6. If people are buying a bunch of items, it's going to go up a little more just because we're using bigger boxes or envelopes. We tend to ship everything in big padded envelopes, including the leather products, because it's, it's just sort of easier to mail. And sometimes we'll even take stuff out of boxes. I hate blister packs. I know Chris, Kim, and Lisa also hate blister packs. And that's one of the reasons that we use squeezies for a lot of our products. But you can call if there's a specific leather product you're interested in. I go down to one of our company warehouses twice a year. It's a wonderful experience for a blind person. It's like go get lost in eight acres of leather and hope you can find your way out. Ira has been quite helpful in that on occasion. So I wouldn't care if I didn't access. find my way out. I wouldn't either. I could just stay uh -uh. there. That's fine. <laughs> I've had been told there was one day we were in there and the guy who's in charge of it, he's Indian, a wonderful guy. And he comes up sort of next to me and says, you know, we are closing soon. And I took the hint. And it's in an industrial section of Fort Lauderdale that you really don't want to be around after five o'clock at night. So I took the hint and we got out of there. I mean, they have literally, I'd say thousands of leather products. And if there's something that somebody wants, I can try and find it. But we are required just so, you know, if there's something that we have, it's great. I am required to order a large number of minimums as a way to basically get, you know, distributor pricing. The only thing where that does not apply, actually, is in the, what I will call, what I call the, the backpack that converts to a piece of rolling luggage. And those are sort of one-of-a-kind special orders. For those of you who are coming to ACB, I will have those at the convention. I will also have some wonderful leather duffels from Embassy because people seem to like them. So I'm always bringing one or two to conference. And that's pretty good roundup for leather, guys. I'm, I'm so glad you like what you have because I really enjoy getting it in the hands of the folks that we work with. So, you know, when you want more, Kim, all you have to do is yell. Oh, heck yeah. I know where to find you. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. You guys may know where to find him, but where do the customers go to find him? Barry, what is your contact information? All right. Let me a couple of different ways. The best way is either an email at B. Scheuer, which is S-C-H-E-U-R, at Scheuer.com, S-C-H-E-U-R. So it's bscheuer at Scheuer.com. And that is probably the, one of the two easiest ways. The other is I am constantly taking orders over the phone and talking to customers. I love to talk to customers. And the best way to get is 617 969 7,500. We do have a catalog on our website. It is getting out of date. It will be updated within the next two to three weeks. 
because I'm preparing for the summer stuff. And the website is www.guidelightsandgadgetsspelledout.us. And there are both the dog product catalogs, what I would call the guide dog and handler product catalog, as well as the, the gadget and letter catalogs. So there's a lot of info that's up there. It's going to get updated soon. People ask me about a product. As a matter of fact, last week and said they ordered something. And I'm going, I don't carry that. And they said, yes, you do. It's on your website. And I'm going, uh, we have a problem. But I found what they, what they actually wanted. It's just a question of a description. So if there's something specific you want, color, size, function, if it exists, I'll try and find it with some of our leather suppliers. And I think that's pretty much it, guys. That's a pretty good description. I would like to say from a user, a customer vantage point, when you go on the website and you view the catalog, I had heard Barry's presentation before viewing the catalog. And so when I saw the catalog, if you hadn't heard the presentation, you might think that's all there was. And I would describe this as a catalog, but more an overview, a representative sample. So if you don't see the exact thing you want, but you say, oh, I'm really interested in leather stuff or whatever, then give him a call because he can generally elaborate and give you more descriptions and explain more items. But this really is kind of an overview or a representative sample of what's available, more than like an exhaustive list. Lisa, thank you. That's a really good point because, for example, if somebody wants something and I can find it, and then the question becomes the issue of meeting minimum order requirements. With some of these folks, with some products that we get, I have to order 100 units at a time, and that's been particularly the case, for example, in neck pouches. So some of the quantities, if there's something that's going to be popular, we can do it. But we have to look at order minimums. So it's like if it's a one-of-a-kind purse, that makes it a little harder. But if it exists, some, I mean, one of our companies carries thousands of leather products. And so we can pretty much choose. And I mean, a perfect example is somebody asked me a couple of, I guess, a couple of months ago for a little bit of a different wallet. And because they're a really good customer, I went and sort of made the order and sort of did it. So if there's something that you see, a butcher thought of something, yep, ask. Mystic Access does not sell leather products, but we have collaborated with Barry on a few electronics products, and you can visit our website, and we have a collaborative products page, and there will be a link to that in the show notes. Yep, there's a category there. You can view them all. You can also get the tutorials for those as well if you already have said products. So you can get the tutorials solo, if you will. So definitely visit us, contact Barry, and we hope you find some sumptuous leather to add to your collection. I'll just say that that product collaborative page, since it is approaching the summer, we did our first three and people have been excited about that, but it is going to be growing because we are constantly sort of working together to come up with more things that are both good quality electronic products and would make good with tutorials. Oh yeah, we'll be keeping y'all informed. Thank you for your visit to the Mystic Access Magic Castle. You're welcome anytime. So we hope you've enjoyed learning more about various leather products that you can possibly use to protect your phone or tablet. Won't work for your shark vacuum. You don't need one for that, but it will protect the other things that we have discussed in the course of this episode. We certainly hope you have enjoyed today's 
material and that if you like our podcast, you will tell your friends and colleagues about it. We always appreciate that and adding people to our community of listeners. So until next time, and it'll be closer to the end of May or the middle of May before we talk to you again. But in the meantime, we hope you have a fabulous May and we will talk to you next time. Thank you, everybody. Bye. 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 The preceding podcast is a presentation of Mystic Access, where the magic is in learning. If you are blind or visually impaired and desire to discover how our comprehensive products and services may support and empower your assistive technology journey, we welcome your visit at www.mysticaccess.com. Have a question or wish to place an order via phone? Call us at 716-543-3323. If you have something to share about this podcast episode, press 4 to reach our Mystic Access podcast comment line. Email us at info at mysticaccess.com. Connect with us on Twitter at twitter.com slash mysticaccess and like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash mysticaccessempower. Would you like to spread the word about our podcasts? Your friends and colleagues may listen and subscribe at www.mysticaccesspodcast.com. Our latest five episodes are also available via phone by calling 701-801-8527. If you enjoy our episodes, consider leaving us an iTunes rating and review. Your comments are greatly appreciated. Thanks for spreading the word, and thanks for being a listener. We hope you enjoyed this episode.